This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you as always for joining me. It's very much appreciated. Hope you had a fantastic week so far and that uh, it's treating you very well indeed. We've nearly reached its conclusion. It's Thursday, which is one of the better days of the week. Knowing that you get to the end of Thursday and Friday comes next is a good feeling. Way better than Tuesday. You know my feelings on Tuesday. So uh, the less said about that, the better. Good morning to those that have joined us live in the chat box. Thank you so much, as always, for doing so. Good morning to Pikachu, to Maximus, to Blackshine, to Olawale, to Matt G. Good morning to Stephen. Good morning to Rich and Old Dave and Maximus. And uh, we've got Sabre and Glenn. We've got uh, Paul Mo- uh, Martin. Uh, other Martin, uh, Amira Red Star, usuals and unusuals in the chat. Thank you for those listening on Catch Up as well, listening on Spotify audio platforms as well, like iTunes and Google Podcasts, wherever you happen to listen to them. They're all available over there. Please do drop a like on the video. Please do leave a five-star review and uh, and a written review if you're on iTunes as well and really help us out as much as you can. It takes a few seconds and it really does um, push us up the charts. So uh, thank you to those that... Uh, can afford to help out. Uh, let's jump into today's stories straight away, shall we? We have to talk about yesterday's Premier League results. We kick off with Brighton winning 2-1 against Brentford. They had Matoma back in the squad. Of course, Arsenal will be facing Brighton next week at the Emirates in a game in which Arsenal will be hoping to uh, get revenge for plenty of the results that Brighton have dealt the Gunners over the last few seasons at the Emirates. It's about time that Arsenal won a game against them, but they're building up something of a bit of momentum going into that game. Crystal Palace lost at home to Bournemouth, a fantastic result, you have to say, for Bournemouth, clawing themselves up to 15th in the, ta- in the table. Oriola um, doing a fantastic job of turning his fortunes around. And then Fulham really stepping on Nottingham Forest. Fulham... Now up to 12th in the table, just two points. Uh, one point, in, in fact, behind their West London rivals, Chelsea. Nottingham Forest dropping to 16th in the table. They are six points above the drop zone, but Everton play tonight. Um, and, of course, have had that points deduction as well. Forest very much, it seems, in the mix for relegation. Manchester City, though, were absolutely dominated by Aston Villa. 
utterly destroyed. I mean, the scoreline certainly did not um, represent a destruction of Man City. But if you look at the statistics, if you look at the dominance, 22 shots, I think that it was, uh, seven on target, 21, 22 shots, seven on target. Uh, Man City limited to just two shots, two on target. Erling Haaland with both of those opportunities quite early on in the game. Man City didn't muster a shot after the 11th minute. It was quite the performance. And certainly, whilst it's very, very good for Arsenal, um, it's also very much a warning for what Arsenal await at Villa Park on Saturday. Of course, Villa will be one day less in their recovery compared to Arsenal. Um, and Manchester City without Rodri in this game, uh, and also, of course, without some other... I feel like Man City's momentum and lack of it, you know, they've not won in their last four games now, whereas Arsenal have managed to to come through a number of games very well uh, and have opened that gap and opened that, you know, they've kept that momentum flowing. We knew we had to beat Luton, we knew we had to beat Wolves, we knew we had to beat Burnley. We've done those things. Man City had to win their games and they failed to do so in a very difficult run of fixtures, granted. But still, you know, losing to Villa, drawing to Spurs, drawing to Liverpool, drawing to Chelsea, um, and then absolutely battering Bournemouth in the game before that. But that lack of momentum is so important, which is why it was always important for us to make sure that we won our last three games. No matter how much there was an expectation that we did win them, it was important that we did. Going back to those score lines, though, uh, Liverpool beating Sheffield United 2-0 um, and Zoboslai popping up there with, with a second. But it wasn't exactly plain sailing for Liverpool, but they managed to get the victory. And Manchester United won what is being described as the mid-off between Man United and Chelsea. Uh, McTominay, uh, again, very much having an influential season. The only guy really pulling Manchester United towards any kind of victories this season, it seems, is Scott McTominay. Um, but uh, Chelsea and um, Cole Palmer, who got their goal, looked awful. Chelsea were dreadful. Chelsea's fans are in disarray at their season. Calls for Maurizio Pochettino to be sacked, of course, are very heavily uh, involved in this. But my goodness me, they are so bad. And that leaves the Premier League table at the top end of it anyway, looking like this. Arsenal sitting top on 36 points, six points clear of Manchester City, who are in now in fourth Aston Villa rising above them into third place, sitting on 32 points. Liverpool, meanwhile, are on 34 points, two points behind us in second place. We could really do with them dropping some points very soon. Their next game is away at Crystal Palace. It's not the easiest of games, but it is a game in which, obviously, um, they're, they're not too happy about playing at 12.30. I don't know if you saw the clip from Jurgen Klopp last night after their win against Sheffield United, um, in which the presenter of the show joked that it was Klopp's favourite kickoff time. And I thought it was quite an innocuous joke and nothing to get too wound up and, you know, just to have an ironic giggle about. But Klopp bit to it completely and really did take the presenter to town on that. A lot of our Liverpool fans very happy that he did. I, to be honest, I felt quite sorry and I know that I'm biased, but... I did feel quite sorry for the presenter in that moment to be treated in that way uh, on 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 uh, in front of thousands, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. So, um, yeah, I wasn't particularly happy to see Klopp's reaction in that way. I know it was funny for some, but I didn't think it was particularly great. Uh, of course, we go away to Aston Villa in a very interesting game indeed. Manchester City, meanwhile, are away at Luton. Uh, very interesting to see how they get on, where Arsenal have just won, Liverpool only drew, um, Manchester United scraped by at home against Luton this season. Very intrigued to see how Manchester City get on when away at Luton. 
uh, and that game takes place on Sunday at 2 o'clock. Spurs are in fifth on 27 points. Arsenal nine points clear, but they still do play tonight. Uh, Spurs will play against at home against West Ham. Everton at home against Newcastle. They're the games that are going on between fifth and the seventh place sides in the league. Newcastle can rise to just one point behind Manchester City with a win. Meanwhile, Manchester United, only three points behind Man City, believe it or not. Spurs can go level with Man City if they get a victory on 30 points. Um, we go down to Man United, who will play Bournemouth at home this weekend. Um, you'd imagine that they would be comfortably winning that game. Meanwhile, Brighton sitting in eighth, point, eighth place after their win, rising four points now above West Ham and six points clear of Chelsea. Chelsea, six points off of eighth place. That's where we stand in that regard, kind of crazily so. Um, moving away from Premier League results and looking ahead, Mikel Arteta, as we know, has been suspended from pitch side activities. Uh, he has received a third yellow card after what has been told by sources to me as a excessive celebration. Um, reported this story for Football.London yesterday. Yes, it was an excessive celebration that got Mikel Arteta that yellow card. That was confirmed to me yesterday. And not only that, but I had also other sources confirming the, um, the manner in which he will undertake Saturday's game. To give you some insight into that, you can read the full article on Football.London. But to give you the bullet points, uh, the ban only relates to the pitch side. It means that he cannot be uh, pitch side before, during or up until two hours after the game. That's how the rules work there. However, he can go into the dressing room and he can do the press conferences and interviews. So you will see Arteta doing his pre and post-match press conference. He will be inside the dressing room before the game, during halftime and after the game as well for Premier League rules. If this was a UEFA competition, he would also be banned from the dressing room until 15 minutes after full time. So there is a difference between touchline bans for UEFA and Premier League competitions. It's worth noting. He can have communication with the bench from the director's box, which is where he will be sitting at the weekend. He'll be talking to Carlos Cuesta and Albert Stuvenberg down on the bench. So you can expect him to have full communication with them. But it is interesting to hear the words of Maurizio Pochettino. Pochettino, of course, was banned for Chelsea's game against Newcastle at Newcastle. And Pochettino had to therefore sit in the stands because he received his third yellow card of the season. When he was asked about what it was like sitting in the director's box, having to communicate to the bench, he said, it was really tough to be there, to be honest. I don't want to be any more there. So frustrating to be there and to try to connect with the coaching staff. It was really tough because you cannot show your emotion. Really frustrated and really disappointed also with the performance. They lost 4-1 that day to Newcastle. So while Mikel Arteta can have communication with his bench and he can speak to the team before and at halftime uh, of the game, um, he will not be able to be on the touchline. And we know how animated he can be. We know how many instructions he provides on the touchline. So he's going to have to rely on his time. In He's going to have to rely on his team to, to deliver any instructions he gives before and at halftime, with, of course, some instructions being given to his coaching staff to take charge of the game. Albert Stuvenberg, you'd imagine, will be the main man on the touchline. But uh, Arteta will be doing his post- and pre-match press duties. It is only the fact that he has to sit in the stands during the game is the only real change from proceedings. And finally, uh, our headline story of the day, Arsenal's interest in Joao Palinha. We talked about this before. Arsenal do have an interest in the player. Uh, Fabrizio Romano has, of course, now confirmed this as well, speaking 
uh, to kick yesterday. He said that there are a number of Premier League clubs that are interested in Joao Palinha um, and whether or not a deal can be done by Munich, we know are very interested. But Fabrizio Romano saying that Arsenal is indeed one of those clubs. Uh, we've talked at length already about Joao Pelinha. If you've got any more questions on that, we'll save it to part two. You know my thoughts on this. I think it would be a bit of an astute signing for Arsenal to make, considering they're going to be losing a lot of experienced midfielders and Palinha uh, already playing a very, very high standard in the Premier League as well. Very consistent. I think his tackles are something upwards of 200 so far since he's arrived at the start of last season. And the next highest is something like 70 behind him. Rather impressive when it comes to his defensive work and I think would be an amazing addition to Arsenal if they are to lose players like Partey or Nenny Jorginho in the next six to eight months. I guess we will have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, very interesting to see Palinia linked and I think the, the price tag is obviously going to be the biggest thing when it comes to signing him. Will Arsenal be able to afford the price that Palinia costs because Bayern Munich, I think, agreed something close to 50 to 60 million pounds in the summer. Has that price gone down? Has it gone up? He has signed a brand new contract. Of course, it's worth bearing in mind, but it was signed in the knowledge that he still could move on and they were just kind of protecting their interest and their values with the player, which does ultimately make sense because you always want to get a good deal in anything that you do. Right, let's go to part two then and your questions right after this. Okay, um, shall we jump into the chat? Shall we tackle some of your questions? Um, of course, there are still tickets remaining for our live event in February. We'll be releasing details of our lineup in the coming weeks as well. Very excited to tell you who's going to be joining me on February 22nd for an evening of fun um, in the old Queen's Head on the Essex Road in North London. So if you would like to get hold of tickets, there are still some available before we release our lineup in the coming weeks. So link down in the description, or you can just type in on Google the Guna Talk Live and go to the Eventbrite website to get those tickets. Right. Let's jump in, shall we? Uh, <laughs> some funny comments already. Uh, Robert Seagal says, seeing how Villa were so strong, uh, do we play Jorginho to bolster the midfield and leave Kai Havertz out or leave Rice alone and hope that Havertz and Odegaard um, with uh, Declan Rice is enough. I have to think that continuing Kai Havertz does make sense. Uh, his form has been absolutely excellent. I think he had his best game in an Arsenal shirt against Luton. was very, very good indeed. Do we really want to upset that momentum? Do we want to upset that balance? You could bring Jorginho in. I think that Aston Villa absolutely dominated the midfield battle yesterday. Of course, they had no Rodri, did Man City, and they went with a... You know, I'm trying to remember what the midfield was. I think it was Bernardo Silva, Kovacic, um, and who was the third? Just getting uh, getting it up on Google to see the lineups. Here we go. It was uh, Rico Lewis. Uh, oh, wow. No, it wasn't even... Kovacic came on. It was a really strange lineup. Carl Walker, Diaz, Gvardio, the back three. Akanji and Stones playing as kind of a pivot. Rico Lewis and Alvarez apparently ahead. And then Foden and Silver in the wide areas. I'm not surprised City didn't win. <laughs> they didn't play with a defensive midfielder at all. They played with kind of two hybrid centre halves. Um, very strange, very very strange lineup indeed from City, and I think perhaps shows the lack of depth they have. You know, you spend 
30 to 40 million pounds on Kovacic. You spend 50 million pounds on Mateus Nunez and you don't start either of them in midfield. You've got Calvin Phillips you spent 40 to 50 million pounds on. It just seems like City's setup was almost asking for a dominant performance when you go up against a, you know, a, a Villa side that have got Camera, who's been fantastic. Louise has been fantastic. Tillemans, whose form has really turned up. John McGinn's been playing really, really well. Bailey, of course, had a really probably his best game in a Villa shirt as well yesterday. Really, genuinely, uh, you can understand, I think, why uh, Manchester City ended up losing that midfield battle because that Villa midfield was very, very good, very structured and was set up in the right place for his Man City's a lot of questions. So when it comes to Arsenal going there, I think it's very different. You know, when you've got Declan Rice and you've got the likes um, of Kai Havertz and, of course, Odegaard and potentially Jorginho, I think that we can still go like we did, Robert, against Luton. But if it, it does turn out to be Jorginho, I'm not going to be particularly surprised by that decision either. I think Arsenal, if you can win the midfield battle against Villa, you give yourself the best possible opportunity to win. Uh, Rob uh, says, uh, does Palinha really fit our profile? 65 million for, well, we don't know how what the price is. It could be 50, it could be 60, it could be more. We'll have to wait and see. 28-year-old seems like paying way over the odds for a player who only broke into first-class footy three years back. Uh, we're not going to make any money back. No, we're not. And we're not going to make any money back really on Thomas Partey when he leaves. And we signed him at a very similar age to what we're signing, if we do indeed sign, Palinha. And there's not been too many complaints other than the fact that his injury record has been pretty deplorable. Sometimes you go out and you sign those age profiles. And in particular, you sign them in midfield and defence. I'm never that keen on signing centre forwards of that age profile because that's the area that you want to see development. That's the area that you want to see progression. That's the area that you want to see a high ceiling for your strikers coming. That's why when we've signed centre forwards, they've tended to be on the younger age profile in the mid-20s. You think back to when we signed Giroud. You think back to when we signed Jesus, of course, more recently. They've tended to be in their mid-20s. Lacazette as well, another one. And then they're going into their prime years. Rather than signing a striker already in their prime, you, you tend to sign those key starting forwards just before that age profile hits. I'd like us to go maybe even a little bit younger with a centre-forward in the summer. Though we're not going to do a centre-forward in January. I'd be utterly shocked if that happened. But in midfield and defence, you can indeed sign uh, the age profile of players that is along the spectrum a bit more. And that's why we've had the likes of Thomas Partey arrive. That's why we had the likes of Santi Cazula arrive towards the end. And think about the success that we had with both of those players when indeed they were both available and not suffering with their own injury problems. Palinha has been fantastic in the Premier League. He's been one of the Premier League's best number sixes outside of Rice and, of course, outside of Rodri. He's probably the next best in that position in the Premier League. So for me, you know, and I'm saying more so than Caicedo. I think Caicedo has really dipped in his form. Enzo Fernandez hasn't necessarily played in defensive midfield. And of course, Chelsea have been pretty deplorable as well. I think Palinho has been more consistent than any of those others I've just mentioned besides Rodri and Rice. So adding him to the team, I think would add huge amounts of quality to the midfield of our team, especially when we're losing so much experience potentially in the next six to eight months. So yes, I do think the investment would be worth it. Um, Rancy says, am I the only one who is convinced that we're going to beat Villa? We're not in first place by accident. I saw a lot of Arsenal fans yesterday saying that they'd take a draw. I'm not taking a draw. We're Arsenal Football Club going for the title. Some people need to raise their standards. <laughs> 
Um, I personally am not taking a draw. We need to go to Aston Villa and we need to win. We need to continue the pressure. We need to continue taking advantage. You know, Liverpool are away at Palace. City are away at um, at Luton. And of course, Aston Villa are sitting in third right now. If Villa were to beat us, they would only be one point behind us in the table. That's how good Villa have been this season. So we need to make sure that we get that victory and make sure that we open that gap, not going down to one point, but instead opening that gap up to seven to them. And of course, opening a gap up if indeed Liverpool or Man City end up slipping up in their games against their away teams this weekend. It's going to be a very interesting weekend that can have a very profound effect on the Premier League table. Of course, after this, we play Brighton. We do have the PSV game, but it's meaningless. And I don't really want to see any of our starting forwards featuring too heavily in that game at all. Um, what I personally would be doing is playing all the kids and all the fringe players, giving El Nenny. You know, El Nenny should be starting. Cedric should be starting. Kivior should be starting. Ramsdale should be starting. Nelson should be starting. And Ketia should be starting. Miles Lewis Skelly, Ethan Nuneri, Rule Waters. You know, bring all the kids in. Bring all the fringe players in. That's what we need to be doing for that game. Um, so, yeah. Even Yuri and Timber, you know, just with his Zimmer frame moving around while he's injured. Bring him on. That's what we need. Uh, Vanaduti says, um, did I dream it when I was listening to you on Dan Potts' show that one of the panels said Odegaard goes missing and doesn't produce in big games? Uh, you didn't dream that. That was genuinely an opinion on the show. Uh, Jay says, can Arsenal thwart the Zaragoza deal for Bayern in 2024? Uh, he's a great player, but in a poor team. Um I don't know what that is. <laughs> no idea what that is. Uh, Brian Zaragoza. Uh, no, they can't. They've already signed him, according to this. Brian Zaragoza is set to join FC Bayern from Granada after the Bundesliga champions reached an agreement uh, with the Spanish club for the attacker. The 22-year-old will sign a five-year contract. I can't say I'm too familiar with Brian uh, Zaragoza at all. I'm going to quick check on his records. Um, he has five goals and two assists uh, as a 22-year-old left winger playing for Granada. So he will be joining Bayern Munich. He's joining for around £10 million. Uh, so no, we can't. Can't say I know too much about the guy, though. To be honest, they must must have scouted him for quite some time. Um, Chaz says, against Villa, we beat them because we have better quality, but we need to step it up a level. I think we are better than the last time that we played Villa. I think they are also better since the last time we played them as well. It's worth pointing out. Their record at Villa Park is very good. I don't think they've lost a game in the Premier League at Villa Park since we beat them there. So, you know, it's a very, very good record. The game suits us in the sense. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com that we've got an extra day's recovery. It's a later kickoff in the day on Saturday as well, uh, rather than an early kickoff like Liverpool have. 
Arsenal have got the best amount of rest. And it does favour us the most in terms of the outside advantages for this game. So we've got no complaints there about scheduling. It is certainly very, very good for us. We've just got to hope that we turn up and play our best. Um, we really, really do. Uh, Legend says, Bruno Gimaraes for 65 million is better than Palinia. Bruno Gimaraes is not a DM. Uh, it's first, first of all worth pointing out. Bruno Gimaraes is a centre midfielder, box-to-box player. Um, so you're signing a different type of player. I would rather sign Bruno Gimaraes personally because um, I think obviously Rice's future, I think he's at six more so than eight, but I think Rice can play the eight nearly as well as he can play the six. But Bruno Gimaraes should be the perfect midfield addition for Arsenal, but I just don't see that happening. I don't see him going for 65 million. I think you're looking at an 80 plus million pound player in Bruno Gimaraes. But I would agree with you about rather preferring Gimaraes to Palinia, but Palinia is a different type of player to him. Uh, James says, uh, would you sell Ramsdale in January and sign David De Gea on a free if this facilitated an additional signing? Also, De Gea removes the keeper options for Newcastle and could increase the transfer fee. Um, no, I don't think I would. Reason being is, A, I don't think that signing De Gea solves the problem. And the problem that we've got is that at the moment we've got two goalkeepers that could arguably starting. Right now, I know David De Gea's distribution is not that great, but in terms of goalkeeping and shot stopping, David De Gea is better than David Raya for me. I think he's a better shot stopper than David Raya, um, but his distribution is, is not as good. And he's not the style of goalkeeper that we want. So that if we do change things, we need to make sure that we have a goalkeeper that can distribute. You think of Stefan Ortega at Man City. I use him as the best example because I think he's the best example of an established number two. Arsenal need to go and sign an established number two for me and remove one of the two goalkeepers that we've got because this dynamic is just not helping either goalkeeper. If you're being very honest with yourself and you ask somebody, if you if you said if someone said to you, how good is Aaron Ramsdale? How good is David Raya as goalkeepers? No one's saying watch them this season because this season is not a representation of either goalkeeper. If you want to know how good either goalkeeper is, look at last season. Look at Raya at Brentford last season. Look at Ramsdale at Arsenal last season and see how they played as established number ones. Still learning as keepers for sure. Wasn't perfect. Very few goalkeepers are, if any. But they were much better representations of who they are as goalkeepers. Put them into the same team and you've created a dynamic, or I say you, Arteta has created a dynamic where it simply has not worked. And it's created this, I think, reductive environment for both goalkeepers. It's made them worse as goalkeepers. Um, and I do think that ultimately we need to move into a position where one of them moves on. I don't mind who. I'm happy for Arsenal not to sign Raya. I'm happy for Arsenal to sell Ramsdale because I think either of them are capable of being great number ones for us. I think, you know, I think Raya is maybe slightly better, but I, I genuinely don't think the difference is so great that I wouldn't mind seeing Ramsdale given the opportunity. To, to stay, to continue either. You know, I've no, I've really have no preference when it comes to who stays and who goes in the summer. I have no preference at all. And then I think we need to go out and sign an established number two, an older number two, but has the distribution like an Ortega does where De Gea doesn't. So that's where I'm at with the goalkeeping situation. Uh, Ant says, I'm Tom, I'm worried that Arteta's stubbornness of not seeing that Raya's experiment is a mistake is going to ruin our season. I'd be lying if I said I've not got my own concerns about the goalkeeping situation and its impact on what this season could have. So I'm not surprised that you're worried, Ant, to be honest at all, because I've got my own concerns. Uh, Eamon says, hey, uh, what is the situation with Emil Smith-Rowe? Is he near a return from injury? It's getting closer. We hopefully will get more information from Arteta in the press conference tomorrow. Um, 
there was a hope that he might be back in December. So I guess we'll have to wait and see if indeed that does turn out to be the case. Um, Legend says uh, we need a Mike Magnon. He is far better and Raya is at his peak and it's hard to compare him with Rambo. Um, Raya's not at his peak, by the way. Uh, he's still improving as a goalkeeper. It can still go up another level, in my opinion, can David Raya, as can Ramsdale. He's only a couple of years older than Ramsdale. It doesn't mean he's at his peak at all, and I don't think we've seen Raya at his peak yet. I think in terms of a Mike Magnon, you're going to be costing a huge amount of money to invest in the goalkeeper. I don't think we need to do that. I don't think Arsenal have the money to do that, because I think if we spend the money that it would take to sign a Mike Magnon, you're not going to be able to sign the midfielder. You're not going to be able to sign the defender. You're not going to be able to sign the centre-forward that we all know that we need even more than we need a another goalkeeper I'd remove one of the two goalkeepers I'd bring in an established number two on the cheaper who's on the older side and can distribute the ball very well and then I'd just move ahead with investments in other areas of the field and signing a Mike Magnon personally um no, I'd say a peak goalkeeper, you're looking at more 30 to 32, um, that type of age bracket. Goalkeepers tend to mature and peak at a later stage than what do outfield players. Uh, Sabre says, uh, are you going to the presser? I'm not. No, I won't be at the presser. Um, so, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not going to the presser tomorrow. Uh, Ridge says, Tom, you've talked a lot about Raya's stats being better, but are we missing Ramsdale's personality on the pitch? Raya seems a bit meek. In comparison, I don't know what's given us the indication that he's meek. He's certainly not in person. He's certainly not when it comes to that. I think Ramsdale's character and personality is just known for his off-field stuff and, of course, also how he reacts with the opposition fans. But I can't tell you that Ramsdale, when he's played this season, has necessarily shown that same personality that we've been seeing from him in recent seasons because, as his dad says, he's lost his smile. and He doesn't look in the same place that he was previously. So... I don't think necessarily we can miss something that we're not necessarily going to get if he was to play. Uh, Jean says, uh, three matches against Liverpool in a short period. If you could take two wins and a loss, who would you pick to lose? I think I'd choose the two Premier League wins, personally. If you told me I had to pick two out of the three games, I'm losing in the FA Cup and I'm winning both Premier League games because for me, the Premier League is more important than the FA Cup. But I do want to go far in both competitions. Um, Maximir says, in fact, I want to win both, obviously. Maximir says, Tom, when I see those two, I get the feeling that Rambo is a higher ceiling for development than Raya. Fair enough. I'm sure you're not alone in that. Uh, Nathan says, Tom, with Tommy injured, would you play Zinchenko or Kivio at left back, bearing in mind how well Bailey is playing for Villa? I'd still play Zinchenko personally. I think he gives us the best midfield dominance as well. Gabriel's job would therefore be to keep up with Bailey. A lot of people, I think, misconstrue the Zinchenko thing. People say he's a vulnerability defensively. It's not necessarily his job in the same way that it would be for a traditional left-back like a Kieran Tierney to get back and defend in the same way. The emphasis is more so on Gabriel to cover a bigger area of the field when we are hit on the counter or when Zinchenko makes a mistake like he did against Wolves and also for Martinelli to provide some cover as well. I'd play Zinchenko. I think we need that midfield dominance because I think uh, Aston Villa's midfield is their biggest weapon. I think that's the area of the field in which they're going to be most dangerous. And so, therefore, I would personally still play Zinchenko at the weekend over Kivio, who I didn't think had the best of games against Luton this midweek. Uh, Arthur says, this will forever be a talking point because of the way that Arteta has handled it. A few clean sheets with Rea, and this went quiet. And if he keeps a few clean sheets and has a few games, I'm sure that he does well, and I'm sure this will go very, very quiet. Uh, Yoni says, Raya is the guy, whether people like it or not. Arteta has made his decision. It would be nice if the fan base got behind him because the constant harassment is causing a lot of harm more than good. I think there's an element of truth in this. I certainly don't agree with the fans that are chanting Aaron Ramsdale's name when David Raya is starting during the game. Don't have an issue when it's Ramsdale warming up by the side of the fit pitch. That's not a problem at all. But when the game's going, 
and Raya is between the sticks and fans are chanting the name of Aaron Ramsdale. I, I don't agree with that. I heard I, I talked about it a bit on last night on Dan's program. I listened to a talk sport clip where a fan rang in and said that we need to get banners up in the stadium calling for Aaron Ramsdale to start. How ridiculous. Imagine a way that a fan can undermine not only the, your own team, but of course your starting goalkeeper and make the situation arguably worse. Ridiculous suggestion. Um, Aaron says, uh, Villa away, Brighton at home and Liverpool away. How many points in our next three games? Nine, please, Aaron. I'm optimistic. I'm confident. I like being confident. I like being optimistic about Arsenal. So I'm going for nine. Uh, Lucio says, Tom, that's very brave of you to go on DP's show uh, yesterday. Some of their takes were so irrational. It's, I didn't say it's brave. I just stand my ground. I talk my thoughts. I say what I say. I say how I feel. I say it as it is from my position. Um, I don't agree with a lot of what's said on the show from a number of positions, but I say what I say. Naturally, you get the trolls in the chat box in the comment section. I don't necessarily, I'm, I think I'm going to make a rule not to read through the comment sections on those shows now, but the chat box is what it is. There's a lot of trolls. I always think if you're going to be a troll online, imagine the fact that you get one life. One, just one, and then it's gone. What you do in this life is is just once, it's one off, and you're going to spend time of yours being an internet troll. How embarrassing, what a waste of life. So I just genuinely end up feeling sorry for the trolls in those chat boxes rather than anything else. Uh, Michael says, I know that goalkeeper talk is boring, but don't you think the fans also have some culpability in the goalkeeper situation? I don't remember a colder welcome to the club from the fan base other than Havertz. What about Ramsdale? What about Ramsdale's welcome, Michael? Ramsdale's welcome was horrific. He had to turn off his Twitter. He still has got his Twitter turned off. I heard from him. He was speaking after the game against Luton. and he walked uh, past in the mix zone was having a conversation about his Twitter being turned off. Um, doesn't have access to social media. So, you know, it's the fans are absolutely some fans. It's worth it's always worth not generalizing. Um, you have to you have to, in my opinion, look at the, the situation and think that you can't generalize all fans and say, you know. Uh, the fans have to take culpability. Some fans have to take culpability, you know, in this. Um, it's always important to use that language in the right way. Uh, Nemdo says, uh, when are people going to realise that Man City are not last season's juggernaut? They were weaker since September after losing Mahrez and Gundogan, plus they bought poorly with players like Nunez and Kovacic. Can you imagine if they bought Declan Rice? Can you imagine if they'd managed to do that? I think it would have been game over for quite a long time if they'd done that. It, it cannot be stated how important it was Arsenal won the race for Declan Rice. But you're right, Namdo. I do think that Man City are not the juggernaut that they were last season. Of course, they didn't have Rodri last night. They didn't have Rodri when they played us either. But they can't rely always on Rodri. They've had Rodri in the last three games and they've not won any of them. So it is worth pointing that out, I feel. Um, Nathan says, hey, Tom, uh, do you consider Aston Villa a serious contender for the title? I have to admit that they scare me a little more than Liverpool. I don't consider them a title contender yet. Call me naive, but they're certainly a contender for those top five European places. Um, I think a win against them this weekend would be big. Obviously, they dropped points away at Bournemouth already very recently, I think, this season as well. Uh, and they lost against Nottingham Forest away from home. Not so recently. We just got battered by Fulham. They are beatable. They are fallible. They're not consistent enough to be title contenders, in my opinion. But um, you shouldn't underestimate them. That's for sure. Uh, Shano says it was Carlos Vela's last game for LA this weekend. So, uh, yeah, Carlos Vela has had a fantastic career in MLS. He's probably actually raised the profile of the MLS more than a lot of players have. Maybe not more than any other, but he certainly... And for LAFC, you know, he's, he became their talisman there. 
You know, I know Gareth Bale was there for a small period of time as well, but I think Carlos Vela did far more for that club um, than any other. Far more, far more, far more. Uh, Tizer says, hey, Tom, I've seen a couple of articles saying Arsenal are close to uh, earning 80 million already for the efforts in the Champions League. This seems very high. Can you shed some light as it might help in January? Yeah, I can probably shed a little bit of light and it's not too far off an estimation because what you got to remember is that you get money for qualifying for the Champions League anyway. You get money for every win in the Champions League. You get money for progressing to the, the knockout stage as group winners. You get money as a minimum for being involved in the last 16, um, no matter you win, lose or draw. So, you know, I think that when the money comes to that, you're not far off <laughs> when it comes. The money in the Champions League is ridiculous. It's utterly, and we have suffered greatly from not being in the Champions League so far this season. Um, so it's important, you know, it's really, really important that we continue this and continue the way forwards. But our, um, yeah, the money that you get from the Champions League is fantastic. But we need to make sure that we continue to be in this competition because it is going to be hugely beneficial uh, for us going forwards. It's why I was always like, do you remember those days where fans are like, "There's no point being in the Champions League. We're never going to win it. Let's go drop into the Europa League, and then we might be able to have a chance of winning a trophy." How much people must regret those words now? How much regret there must be for those words? Because my goodness me, being in the Champions League is so important as a football club. So incredibly important. And Meles says, are you not worried about Zinni against Bailey? He looked really good against City. Um, to a degree, but it's more Bailey against Gabriel. Again, people need to get this out of their heads that Zinchenko is a left back. He's not. That's not his role. He's not a traditional left back. He's an auxiliary midfielder that plays on the left-hand side. And we play effectively with a back three. It's Ben White, it's Saliba, and it's Gabriel. Zinchenko and Martinelli support the left-hand side. Gabriel is basically a hybrid centre-back left-back with his positioning in games. So it's really Bailey versus Gabriel. Gabriel can keep Bailey quiet, fantastic. Zinchenko and Martinelli need to support that side. But Zinchenko is basically an auxiliary midfielder. So it's always we always go 1v1 or we put Arsenal into a back four. Martinelli and Zinchenko are supporters to that left-hand side defensive, uh, defensive contribution. Uh, is, is headed up by Gabriel more than anybody else. Um, Abel says, I'm sick of the talking points of fans who always say that Raya Havertz or other problems. Uh, we must respect Arteta. He gave Arsenal top class and that missed two decades. I think, Abel, the, the mistake that you're making there is obviously the kind of the, the block of criticism that fans are allowed to have. Fans can be critical. Fans are allowed opinions. As long as you're not crossing a line of being abusive, or crossing the line in terms of singing, in my opinion, you're crossing the line by singing Ramsdale's name while Raya is starting. I think that does cross the line. That's ridiculous. Um, but for me, I think that you have to respect still the manager's decision. There's a level of respect whilst being critical. But if you get into the realms of never, never questioning, if you get into the realms of saying you can never question the manager just because he's taken us to where he's taken us, I think you're getting into very, very dangerous territory. So I wouldn't buy into that personally. Uh, and James says, is this Arsenal the best opportunity to win the league since Leicester winning it in 2016? I'll tell you what, Derek, uh, James, sorry, I know you don't mean this um, in the way I'm going to talk about it now, but I hate when this comparison comes up. We're not Leicester City. Like Leicester City winning the Premier League was an amazing achievement against all the odds and was 5,000 to 1. Arsenal Football Club is not the same as Leicester City. I know it sounds arrogant and entitled to say this, and I don't tend to talk in these kinds of terms, but it is not the same. It is not the same as Leicester. It's not even comparable 
a, re- a team that was relegated the season before they were, or you know, returned from relegation the season before the team that the season they stayed up, you know, in the Premier League in 2014 15 when they stayed up to go and win the title from there is a monumental achievement and an anomaly in the footballing history books. Arsenal in the league is like Arsenal winning the league. It's happened before plenty of times. We are Premier League giants and are not comparable. Um, James says, I meant that we should have won it that year. Let me reread. Is this Arsenal's best opportunity to win the league since I see? Sorry. Okay. I've made an error. I hold my hands up. Is it our best chance since that season? No, again, it's still not because last season was our best chance. You know, since that season, last chance was our best chance. This is our best chance since last year. That season when we played again, we were like second. We finished, we were basically third. You know, Spurs were the second best team in the league that season. It pains me to say it, but they were. We weren't in a title race, really. It fell away very, very quickly. Um, but this season. But I will stand by the point, James, and it's not you, but other people still keep talking about this. Like, if Arsenal win the league, it's like, you know, they compare it to Leicester winning the league. I, it's just wrong. You know, it's it's just it's just not the way to talk about it. You, you're not doing it, James, but certainly other people doing it really gets under my skin, as you can probably tell. Yudi um, Daguna says, uh, Arsenal, like always, was a man ahead of his time. Champions League position is pretty much a trophy in and, in and itself. It's not. Um, people like Mourinho mocked him only to let us struggle to get there at a club like Roma. Just it's not. It's not a trophy. Um, it's a it's an achievement in itself at times, especially in the Premier League because of how competitive it is. It's not a trophy. I really don't like talking about it in the sense that it's a trophy. I think it really downgrades the actual art of winning a trophy. Get qualifying for the Champions League is an achievement, um, but it's not a trophy. Uh, Amira says, has anyone else forgotten that KDB still plays for City? Do you think City would be as bad without Rodri if he was fit? Haaland surely misses him. Um, sure, but you've also got to remember that City have spent millions and spent more than a billion quid on players have City over the last however many years in a shorter space of time than Arsenal did, you know. So they have to have players there when they lose when they lose De Bruyne. Arsenal haven't had their best midfielder of the past three years in Thomas Partey. They haven't had him for most of the season. But we went out and we bought Declan Rice, you know, so we can't have sympathy for City. You know, we can't. We can't have sympathy in that same sense, you know. So, sure, they would be better if they had De Bruyne, but it's Man City. They should be better prepared when they lose those types of players. Um, let's scroll up in the chat box as well. Jorgen says, I'll try again with my question tomorrow. Let me see if I can find your question, Jorgen. Um, I'm concerned uh, that Timber might be like Abu Diaby, a what-if player wasn't injured type player. What do you think? I think it's far too early, Jürgen, um, to have that type of thought process about Timber. He's had an ACL injury. Diaby's injuries are very muscular related as well. Um, I can't, it's very, very early to have an opinion about Timber that you'd have about Adu Diaby. Uh, loads of players have really bad ACL injuries and they come back and they play. Martinelli had a really bad knee injury that people forget about. You know, think about how he's come back. Think about how he's returned from that that knee injury that he suffered. So players have knee injuries. They recover from them. It's not 30 years ago. You know, it's 2023 and the recovery and the rehabilitation and the surgeries are so much more advanced that players can have fantastic careers, better careers than they had even before their injuries now. So, no, it's very, very early to be talking about Yuri and Timber and Abu Dhabi in the same kind of uh, 
breath. So there you go. Uh, Yuli Laguna says, I hear you, Tom, but don't you think coming fourth over a 38-game season these days is harder than winning an FA Cup trophy over six games? Arguably, but it doesn't mean that it's a trophy. <laughs> you know, it's it's arguably more difficult. Uh, and by the way, it's top. It's probably going to be top five this season, not even top four. So it's less of an achievement. Um, but um, yeah, it's an achievement, but it's not a trophy, you know? So it's by definition, it's not. Anyway, we're going to wrap the show up there. Thank you to the near thousand of you that have been listening into this morning's show live. Really appreciate your time. As always, do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. We will be back tomorrow morning, of course, breaking up all of the latest details surrounding Arsenal. We'll be looking ahead to Mikel Arteta's press conference, reacting to tonight's games, which include the likes of Newcastle, of course, as well. Some interesting fixtures to discuss tomorrow and any other news leading up to that game against Villa on Saturday. I wish you all the health and joy in the world today. Stay safe, stay well, and as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van, unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.